Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Next Level Christianity series, which walks through the book of Philippians, seeing how God wants us to grow to the next level. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter number four, Philippians chapter four tonight. Philippians chapter number four, and we, uh, on our Sunday nights, right at the end of 2020, uh, we were going through the book of Philippians and really doing a study uh, through this challenging letter from Paul to the churches, or to the church of Philippi, the believers at Philippi, and um, really the entire, the entire context, I believe, of the book is helping believers understand that God's not done with you, uh, that there is still growth waiting for every single one of us, that as long as we're breathing, uh, God has growth for us. And so we've titled, we titled the series Next Level Christianity, and we've been out of it since December 6th. That's when we stopped uh, the series. We'll get right back into it for just the next couple of weeks and uh, close the series out. And then I'm looking forward to a new series we'll do right after this in the book of 2 Samuel. Uh, many of you remember we preached 1 Samuel last year and going to go to 2 Samuel this year, and I think it'll be a help. But uh, Paul's goal in, in the letter, uh, really just helping believers know that if you're still alive, God wants you to grow. And I'm thankful that we can never hit some sort of pinnacle in our Christian growth, that we should always be uh, striving for growth. And uh, through the series, we've learned a lot of things. We started out with Paul speaking about being positive. Uh, in the midst of negative. And here's a man sitting in a jail cell, uh, perhaps uh, looking at the end of his life. I don't believe Paul died after this. I think he had one more time of being released and traveling for a little bit and then, and then uh, suffered martyrdom. But uh, during this time, Paul is here in this jail cell and he's writing, thinking it's his last time. And if you were thinking you're gonna be facing death because of being a Christian, uh, what would you write to people? Man, you'd probably write a, a bunch of uh, pray for me's and all of that type of stuff. And yet at the beginning of this great book, we find Paul just finding joy in the midst of, of crazy circumstances. And what a helpful lesson to us. No matter what's going on, the Christian can always have joy, uh, regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations. And so here's Paul writing this, that uh, you can be positive even through struggles because God can be glorified. And he's saying, man, I praise the Lord that great things are happening, even in a jail cell. Uh, we were challenged with him about striving forward for the Lord. Uh, of course, Philippians chapter number Number one, verse 27, he said, we're striving together for the faith of the gospel. He, he focuses about, a, a, does a focus on heaven. He talks about having the mind of humility and uh, so many other lessons that we've learned. Our last message, though, was the first part of Philippians chapter four, where Paul writes about just some blessings about being a child of God and the fact that if you know Christ as your savior, uh, it's gonna change your life. It's gonna change how you, how you live and how you go about life. And certainly we know that to be true. But as we come to this message tonight and to this next portion of scripture, we're gonna come to a place in a passage that I find extremely helpful uh, because it's a topic that every single person desires in their life. As you move into Philippians chapter four, verse six, down through verse number nine, 
Paul begins to speak about the topic of peace, of peace. Peace can be defined as quietness and a rest of the soul. He's not talking about peace in the sense of uh, outer peace. He's talking about inward peace, talking about knowing quietness in the heart and knowing a trust in God and, and being able to go through any circumstance and yet remain at peace. You know, people are looking for peace, aren't they? Man, our whole world is, is searching for peace. Every single person is looking for that absence of inner turmoil that really plagues every one of us. Man, every single one of us go through a wrestling match within our heart, uh, some maybe weekly and many probably daily, just going through that, that, that wrestling match on the inside. And I read something that a friend posted today uh, just about the, the fact that so many people look for peace, and yet oftentimes the very places we look for peace are the very places that we, th- I mean, those are the places we think we can find it, but we never do. Peace always eludes us, and people look for peace in work, and they look for peace in their family, and look for that, that uh, rest from inner tur- turmoil and hobbies and different things like that, and maybe a, a sport. The fact is, every single person on the face of this planet is searching for inner peace. Oh, we know that it's going, life is going to have struggles, but there's just something about having peace through struggles. Well, this evening, we're going to discover from Paul some, some great keys to having peace. Because the truth is that Jesus Christ, when he came to the earth and as he was speaking, one of the great statements that Jesus made was, my peace I give unto you. And it's not a peace like the world gives, but it's a peace that can only come with Christ. This is what Paul writes about, so take your Bible and look with me, if you will, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6. Paul writes these words, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. I love this passage because I really think it answers a question that every single one of us are asking. Believers, people who know Christ as Savior, we often know where to find peace, but we still sometimes believe that peace kind of escapes us. We know that Jesus Christ is the peace giver, But we think that, well, that peace is for those super Christians. (laughs) You ever thought that? Man, you know, I'll have peace one day when I'm like, and you look at someone else. But the fact is this, that if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in your heart, 
And God says, I want my peace to be at work in you constantly. It's not just for a pastor or a teacher or a Sunday school worker. It's not just for someone who's known Jesus for 50 or 60 or 70 years. No, peace comes with the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, we find Paul giving three very, very simple keys to a believer experiencing peace on a daily basis. We're going to look at that this morning or this evening. So let's pray and then we'll get right into the word of God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take just a minute and in the quietness of your own heart, why don't you ask God to speak to you? You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak into my life. God, help me tonight. Help me to discover some keys to peace. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house. And Lord, I pray that as we come to your word tonight, Father, I pray that you'd help us to be challenged by it. I pray that you'd help us to understand and to see that uh, you desire for us to walk in peace and to experience that uh, uh, rest from inner turmoil each and every day. And Lord, I know that uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil battle against that in us. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight to uh, see these keys and to be able to apply them this week. We love you. Thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I need a set of keys. Who has a set of keys? Somebody. You got keys, Leo? Hand me your keys. Hand me your keys real quick. You just got one key? That's a good key. I like it. I like one key. <clears throat> Maybe you, uh, when you were younger, uh, do you remember the very first time you got... Uh, the key to the house. Remember that when your parents gave you some of you like, we never locked our doors. Okay. Remember when you first got your first car? Remember when you got your car, you got, you got keys to that car, you got keys to, to the house the very first time. I remember growing up and when I first got a house key, I got this really long lanyard or uh, um, is that what they call it? Lanyard? Yeah. This long key thing. And uh, I remember I thought I was so cool. You know, I was in like seventh grade at junior high, walking around with that lanyard hanging out of your pocket, like, yeah, I got keys. And I got strutting around, you know, I got keys to the house. And then when you get your first car key, get your first car. I was, I think, 17. I was 16 when I was given the car, but I don't think I was, I think I was like 17 when we actually got the car. Um, but I was first given a 1959 Chevy Impala. And uh, it had been in the family since the 70s. I still have it. Just doesn't look the best anymore. But uh, that, that Impala, I remember when I was first given keys to it. When you're first given keys to uh, your, your first car, man, you're the volunteer chauffeur for everything. You know, they're like, hey, oh, we're out of milk. You're like, I'll, I'll go get it. Not, not a problem. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. Why? Just because you want to drive. Man, it's like I've got the key. I've got the keys to my car. Uh, people would be like, hey, we need someone to drive. You're like, yeah, I'll do it. It's, you know, I, it's okay. I'll take care of it. And the inside, you're like, yes, I get to drive. Why? Man, you got the key. You got the key. You got, you got the key to something that has revolutionized your life. It's given you freedom. Unless you're like my sister and you lose the keys the very first day you get them. I think she got a ticket her first day as well. So anyway, you know what? When you get the keys, man, it, when you get the keys to your car, keys to that, to that house or whatever, it's something that truly changes your life. 
When we come to, thanks Leo for that one key. When we come to Philippians chapter number four, I find Paul turning over keys that really could revolutionize your life and mine. Because as a believer, we know that peace belongs to us. We know that the Lord has peace for us, but sometimes we feel that it's just unreachable. And tonight we're going to discover three simple ways that Paul gives to us of how a believer can have peace each and every day. And so I want you to notice them with me today as we come to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. I want you to see first off the very first key to peace in your life that Paul speaks about is you and I can have peace through prayer. We can have peace, inner rest from turmoil through prayer. Notice the verses with me, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The phrase, be careful for nothing, that word careful, it means to be full of care or anxious or worrisome. If you've been with us on our uh, weekday Bible study that we've been doing every day this last week, uh, we covered emotions. And on Thursday, we actually talked through this verse and, and what anxiety is and worry. And so I'd encourage you, go back and listen to this. But this verse, just simply saying tonight, it's, a, it's an encouragement from Paul to not allow our hearts to become filled with care or anxious or worrisome over anything. And uh, there's a lot in this life that can scream for us to worry about it. Uh, man, there is a lot in life that screams for us to have tension within our heart and fear within our heart because of an upcoming situation. And yet, what Paul is saying is, hey, you don't need to allow worry to control your life. Instead, when you see that worry coming, go to God in prayer. Now, that seems like a, a simple, you know, cop-out answer. Doesn't it? You know, it's just one of those things of, uh, well, I've got this going on. And someone said, well, just pray for it. You know, we'll just pray about it. But I want you to know, Paul's not trying to over-spiritualize issues in life. And when we talk about uh, this, <clears throat> excuse me, this word, be careful, and talking about anxiety, uh, I answered this Thursday. We did it in about 20 minutes. So I'm not going to do it today. You can go back and watch that on Facebook. Uh, but we need to understand that anxiety in and of itself is not sin. There's a lot of medical things that, that show that anxiety really, biblically, and as a Christian, we need to understand this, anxiety is an emotion we're born with. God actually created that. Did you know that God created us? God created us to have fear in our lives? He did. Well, how did he do that? Well, he created us to have fear in our lives because there are certain things out there that can harm us, and God created us to be able to have that fear. You say, well, but the Bible says God created, don't we, we don't have the spirit of fear. No, it's talking about the spirit of a controlling fear, that fear that says, I can't trust the Lord. It's the same thing with this idea of anxiety. And a lot of believers, they like to over-spiritualize anxiety and say, well, if you ever experience anxiety, then you're just not right with God. That's not true. That's not a true statement because we're all born with that. But it becomes a sin when we allow maybe anxiety that we're experiencing 
to turn into worry and fear, where now it's not a medical thing that I need to uh, address or a health, ha- uh, health um, concern or habits that I need to take care of. Now it becomes something that debilitates me and controls me to the point where now I'm fretting, I'm worrying about everything in my life. Oh no, what's gonna happen with my money? Oh no, what's gonna happen with tomorrow? Oh my goodness, what's gonna happen with... Uh, and, and we're allowing that inner turmoil to go away. Here's what Paul says. When that is coming up in your life, you need to pray. Well, why? It's refocusing. It's refocusing. It's me saying, I'm not gonna be filled with worry over all of this stuff. No, instead, I'm gonna turn to the Lord with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Man, there's some thanksgiving there that instead of worrying about everything, I'm gonna begin to find some things to be thankful for. And I'm not, it's not like God's gonna go, okay, you prayed, instantly gone. No, what it's doing is it's simply refocusing my attention off of my situation and onto the Savior, off of my circumstances and onto Christ. And that's what every single one of us need to do. We need to realize that peace comes through prayer. One of the greatest keys and one of the greatest resources that you and I have as a believer is access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Man, I'm so thankful that we can go before God and uh, we can uh, be in his presence, man. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, we talked about it this morning, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. And while this world searches for a lot of things to, to find peace, you and I have the key right in our hands and it's through the avenue of prayer with our Lord. And I wanna encourage you tonight, don't allow worry to steal your peace. Instead, turn it in prayer to the Lord. Man, take it in prayer to the Lord. One of the things that Paul says is when that worry comes into your life, one of the best things you can do is go to God in prayer. He's simply saying, don't allow worry to steal your peace. Instead, go to God in prayer. And what will the result be? Well, the result will be peace. That's what it says. And the peace of God, when you do this, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. I said it a few weeks ago, but that phrase, <clears throat> that phrase, keep your hearts and minds, that phrase simply is uh, it, people that Paul is writing to would have been familiar with it because the word keep there is like a guard, a prison guard. And so here's what Paul says, hey, when you have worry come into your life, instead of allowing it to control you, if you would turn, when it's wrestling to take away that inner peace, that, uh, that uh, inner rest from turmoil, if you would turn that and talk to the Lord, God says that he promises protection to your heart. Just like a guard standing outside of a prison cell, God is going to keep your heart and mind. He is going to guard your heart and mind. And what's gonna have? You're gonna have a peace that passes all understanding. This is similar to the same things that Jesus spoke in uh, Matthew 6, 25, when Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, the body more than, more than raiment? That phrase right there, take no thought, the word thought means to be concerned and worried about. And so the Lord is saying, hey, don't take thought, don't worry about things in this life. The next few verses, he says, uh, uh, can any man taking thought add a cubit to his stature? Can you worry about growth 
and actually make it grow? Can you worry about food and it actually just be there right in front? No, we can't worry about this kind of stuff. And Jesus teaching that, he said this in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, therefore, and because, because worrying doesn't accomplish anything, Take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For uh, after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth what things you have need of, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What, are, what, what was Jesus getting at? It's a matter of focus overcoming worry. And again, we're not talking about uh, chemical imbalances and different things that cause anxiety. We're talking specifically about the sin of worry that many of us, and I'm included in this, allow to consume our mind. Jesus said, hey, don't do that. Instead, refocus. That's what Paul's getting at. Don't allow worry to control. Instead, go to God in prayer. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, hey, take it to God. This is the same truth that Jesus taught in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. <clears throat> but that phrase there, ye shall find rest unto your souls. That phrase, rest unto your souls, it means an inner peace from the turmoil that wrestles within our life. Man, how do I get that to go away? One of the keys is I turn to him in prayer. And that result is the God of peace, that peace, with the peace of God which passeth all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. I see the first key to having peace in this life. Listen, everybody's searching for peace. If we were to be honest tonight and say, all right, how many of you this last week wrestled with some emotions and needed peace from God? Everybody's hands would go up. Man, every one of us. I asked, how many, of us, how many of us wrestle with it daily? Probably most of us again, you know? And here's Paul saying, I know you wrestle with it. I do too. Paul was one that wrestled with these emotions. And he knew from the voice of God, hey, you can experience peace through prayer. Notice another way that we experience peace is we can have peace through thoughts. We can have peace through thoughts, and I'll probably add a thought here. We can have peace through controlled thinking. You can have peace through controlled thoughts. Notice what's said in verse number eight. Paul writes this, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think, meditate, reflect upon these things. Another way for the believer to experience peace is through controlling our thoughts. Here's some encouragement from Paul in regards to what we think. What should a believer be thinking upon? Well, think on things that are true. You know, the devil's a liar. And the devil wants to corrupt our minds, and yet... If we allow the Holy Spirit to control our minds and to think upon truth, when the devil brings a lie, we're going to know it. You know, the devil lies to me all the time. He probably tells you the same lies. What are some of the lies the devil gives? Well, the devil says, hey, you're worthless. The devil says, hey, it doesn't matter. The devil says, hey, throw in the towel. The devil says, hey, you should be treated better. 
The devil says, hey, you're more important than this. Isn't it funny? The devil lies to us and tells us, he's worth, tells us we're worthless and then in the next breath tells us we deserve more. And he speaks to our pride. And he speaks to those emotions that we all too often let rule in our lives. And here's what we need to understand that Paul is writing, hey, if you can control your thinking and focus on what is true, we're gonna recognize those lies, those lies from him. Finally, brethren, think on those things which are true. What else should we think on? We should think on things that are honest and just. This is worthy of respect and, and righteous. There's many things that are not respectable that a Christian should not think about. This doesn't mean that we hide our heads in the sand uh, uh, and avoid everything that is unpleasant and displeasing, but it simply means this, that we don't focus our attention on that which is dishonorable and allow it to permeate our thoughts. But all too often, many believers, we don't think upon those things that are honest and those things that are just. He says to think upon those things that are pure. Pure refers to moral purity. Uh, of course, Paul or, would understand many uh, immoral, impure areas of the world at that time, uh, just influenced by so many pagan religions. And Paul is writing and simply saying, hey, a Christian should think upon that which is pure. What else? We think upon that which is lovely. It means that which is beautiful and attractive. He says we're supposed to think on those things of a good report. Of a good report, it means worth talking about. That you'd be open about it and be able to talk to other people about it. Then he says if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, whatever possesses virtue, whatever is excellent, and whatever will motivate praise, think on these things. And I say tonight that one of the reasons that many Christians fail to experience peace, which God really desires to be in our hearts and in our minds, one of the reasons we fail to have this is because we don't control our thinking. We just allow thoughts to come and go. We allow our minds to be like a home with no accountability. Any parent knows that if you allow your kids to just kind of come and go as they please and do as they please, it probably will not lead in a good direction. <laughs> I don't know, I, I really don't, I, I know there are some out there, but I don't know too many parents of teenagers that say, hey, here's the keys to the car, here's the keys to the house, I don't care what you do. Now, there are some out there that do that, and uh, that's what we like to call bad parenting. But any responsible parent is probably not going to do that. No, there's going to be some accountability in the home. Honestly, with most parents, there's accountability in the home of, hey, if you're going to be in our house, then uh, here's some responsibilities you're going to have. Some call them chores. We just call it living. That's what we call it in our house. It's like, hey, if we all eat dinner together, we all clean up the dinner together. If we all, you know, uh, get to ride in the car, then we all clean our own stuff out of the car. It's just, I don't know, living. And you know what? As a parent, I don't think it's wrong that I help my 14 and 13 and 11-year-old and now the 11 and 9 and 2-year-old. The 2-year-old can't do much, but that I help them understand, hey, we all live here. 
we're all responsible. Why? There's, there's some responsibility and there's some accountability. You know what? All, all too often, a believer, we have no accountability with our thoughts. We don't hold our thoughts accountable. We allow our thoughts to control our lives instead of us controlling our thoughts. You want to know why peace eludes us so often? It's because we, don't in, we are not intentional in capturing thoughts and bringing them under subjection. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number uh, 10, verse number five. He said, casting down imaginations and everything, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and listen to this, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, Paul was getting at, Paul was helping us understand and those believers at Corinth understand, hey, you can have uh, ownership. There can be accountability with every thought. And the reason so many times we give into the, the lies of Satan is because we don't control that thinking. And we allow those thoughts of frustration and those thoughts of disappointment and those thoughts of discouragement and those thoughts of worry. And we allow the lies that the devil tells us, we allow them to fester in our lives. And they, like 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, they exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ, things that we know to be true. You see, because the devil comes and lies and says, you're worthless, but based upon the word of God, we know that's not true. Why? Because Jesus said, I love you and I give my life for you. You are not worthless. I made you and then I paid my life to redeem you. Man, you are of great value to God. For God so loved the world. Man, put your name in there. For God so loved Dennis Fountain that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does John three sixteen show us? It shows us the example of the love of Jesus Christ towards us. So when the devil comes and says, hey, you're worthless, and we allow that to fester and we allow our thinking to stay there and to be thinking, yeah, yeah, I am worthless. Yeah, this is pointless. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah I don't matter. You know what we're doing? We're allowing those thoughts to usurp what we know to be true. And my friend, here's what Paul is saying. If you want peace, control your thoughts. If you want peace, man, put those thoughts under subjection. Understand that God can help you think upon everything that is true and just and lovely and honest and of good report and of, uh, of, of virtuous and everything that draws praise. Man, God can help with that. And what's going to happen? The result is going to be peace. The word of God says in Psalm 119 verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace have they which love thy law. Every single one of these points to thinking about the, the uh, wonderful things that we have within the word of God. And the word of God is true and lovely. And uh, the word of God is true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. It's virtuous. It, it uh, makes praise take place. And so great peace have they which love thy law. This is just echoing an Old Testament uh, uh, promise that was given. If I love the word of God, man, peace can be mine when I'm having that controlled thinking. So if we allow our thoughts to roam with no accountability, his peace will remain absent. But when I control those thoughts, 
When I filter them through the word of God, great peace have they which love thy law. I look tonight and I see three simple keys. Three keys of having peace. Number one, we can have peace through prayer. Number two, peace through our thoughts, peace through controlled thinking. And number three tonight, peace through following. Peace through following. Notice verse number nine. Paul writes these words, those things which ye have both learned and received and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. In this verse, Paul is calling the believer to what you and I would call fellowship. Paul is saying to these writers, hey, I've lived it before you. I learned, you learned it and you received it. You heard it. You saw it. Now follow it. Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about just this walk with God. He's talking about the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the truth of the word of God. Hey, those things, what are those things? The principles that you have seen and that you have learned, the the principles that have grounded your faith, you didn't just learn them. You learned them and received them. You can learn something without receiving it, can't you? Yeah, many of us growing up in school learned things without receiving it. I can tell you a lot of tests that I passed that I today have absolutely no clue what the content would be. Case in point, when my son comes in with an, you know, algebra one or algebra two problem, I'm like, I'm a math guy, but I look at algebra and geometry, you know, algebra and what's above algebra now, like geometry and calculus and all that stuff. Uh, You know what I'm like? Two plus two is four. That's what I know, bro. I can do, I can do like addition. Some subtraction. You know what? I, can, I learned those things to pass tests. I didn't receive them very well. Here's what Paul is writing. He's saying, hey, you didn't just learn truth as a disciple of Christ. You received it. And, and, and you, didn't just, you didn't just hear it, Paul. I, I didn't just get up and preach it. No, you saw it. You heard it, you received it, you, you saw it, you watched me live it before you. So those things which you have both learned and received and seen in me, do that. Now, I want us to understand a concept. Paul is not saying, okay, now I'm your God. Okay, follow me like you would the Lord. No, I believe Paul is laying down a principle that is good. Listen, it's good for every single Christian still to this day. And that principle is this. Mark people, mark people around you that have the peace that you're looking at. Mark people around you that walk with God like you want to. Mark people that that are around you that talk about God and about the things of God like you want in your life. Mark those people and follow their example. Oh, they're not God. No, but they're great examples. Aren't you thankful for some of the healthy examples you and I have had over the years and and over your life? No doubt you could point to some people and say, man, they were a good example. That's all Paul is saying. Hey, find those people. He says, I'm one of those people to you, Church of Philippi. What you saw, what you learned, what you received, and what you watched me do. Hey, do that. Follow well. And what's going to happen? Notice the second part of the verse. 
and the God of peace shall be with you. Hey, listen, if you can follow the principles that God has laid out, follow his word, build people around you that are doing the same thing. Hey, if you can consistently just keep walking with the Lord, God's, the God of peace will be with you. You don't want to know why many of us don't have that peace on a day in and a day out basis. It's because our walk with God kind of goes like this. Here's what Paul's saying. Hey, find people that walk with God and you walk with God and just keep walking with God. You know what God's gonna do? The God of peace is going to accompany that. <clears throat> do you ever... Uh, you ever have keys to the car? You need to get somewhere, but the car doesn't have any gas. Yeah, plenty of times. That 1959 Impala that my parents got me, the gas gauge never worked, ever. So I had to keep track of the miles on the car. Well, eventually, the odometer broke. And so I honestly had to keep track of where I went and how many miles it was to get there. That's what I had to do. I had, oh man, I went to school, okay, eight days, it's three miles there, three miles back, that's 24, I was doing that, okay, I drove, and I had to keep track of it to figure out, do I need to fill up with gas yet? There was plenty of times I went to the gas station and I only put like a dollar in because I had a full tank of gas. There was other times that I was pushing the car. You say, seriously? Yeah, I can't tell you how many times me and my friend who would drive around all the time ran out of gas. It hit such a point that I just started carrying gas cans in the back. I'm like, I'm gonna either be too full or I'm gonna run out. Now, you people who know cars, you're like, why don't you just do this and this? And you could have fixed it because I'm a dummy and I didn't know that. And you didn't have YouTube, be able to look it up and ask. You had like mechanics that you paid a lot of money to go do get them to do it. I don't want to do that. And so I just kept gas cans. Being able, not, uh, having, having the, the tools to, to get somewhere, but not being able to get there was so frustrating. I had the vehicle, I had the car, but I didn't have the gas. I just want to say this, that a lot of times Christians, listen, a lot of us as believers, oh, we have the Lord. Man, we are never, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, you are, you are sealed, everything in your life. You, my friend, have eternity in heaven, not based upon you, but based solely upon the Lord. But there are times in my life when I go through life with the Lord, but without his power. Oh, the Holy Spirit's in me. The Holy Spirit wants to work, but I'm not controlling my thinking. I'm not talking to him through prayer. I'm not uh, going through this uh, life following. I'm thinking I can, I can push this thing on my own, like me with that Impala. I just want us to see tonight and understand that God has given us, he has given us keys to experience peace in this life. And if we are walking with the Lord, then the peace of God and the God of peace exercise their influence over our lives. And tonight we're given three keys. 
Three keys for that quietness and that rest in our soul. Oh, listen, your peace and my peace is always going to be attacked until the day we die. This is not a battle that we can just, you know, make a decision and win. I wish it was. I wish it was something that we could come to the altar and just be like, God, here is this part of my life. And God's like, peace forever. Wouldn't that be nice? It's not going to happen. But God does give us keys, tools to peace. What are those tools? Three simple things. Right praying, right thinking, and right following, right living. These are the conditions for having the secure mind and victory over worry. These are conditions for key. They're they're keys to peace. And so tonight as we close, I just want to encourage you this week, this week, don't let God's peace elude you. Oh, the devil's going to come and the flesh is going to come and this, this culture and what you watch on TV and the news and the media and the uh, Hollywood and the pop world and, and sports and people at work and all of these things and the devil's going to climb up in your shoulder and your own flesh is going to whisper things to you and each and every day you and I are facing an entourage of enemies just coming at us to steal and to attack our peace. And here's what the Lord says through Paul. You don't have to just bow down and and, and lose. You can have peace. How? Prayer. Number one thing. And go to God. Why? Because then God will come and he'll be the guard. He'll be the guard protecting you from all of that. How else? My thinking. Controlled thinking. And don't just allow your thoughts to come and go. No, be intentional and think about things that are true and honest and just and all that list. And then write following. And be somebody who says, I'm serious about following the Lord. And I'm gonna put people around me that are following the Lord as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna heed the warning of Paul and the things that I've heard and learned and received and seen in others. That's what I'm gonna do. Why? Because I want God's peace in my life. I wonder tonight, when you are attacked, this week, when you're attacked, when when the devil attacks your heart with that feeling of worthlessness, that discouragement, that worry, that fear, when that happens this week, are you gonna lose that inner peace? Are you gonna lose that rest and just give in to it and begin to fall into despair? Or this week, are you going to say, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to have some controlled thinking, and I'm going to keep following. The result will be God's peace will be in your life. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.